we're, so, uh, we're good to go. Got a good level. Do you want to go nice. three, two, one? first proper um proper podcast we've we've been speaking about it for a while and yeah kind of mulling it's, the... it's been in the works yeah we've, we've we've kind of like pondered on well what what should the what should the podcast really contain you know what do we want to do with a podcast why why mm-hmm. why are we even doing a podcast sam i, I don't know because we're bored and there's a <laughs> pandemic on and we need something to do because we can't go outside anymore <laughs> I mean, um, we, I mean, like, we've had these kind of um, sort of strange conversations for years and kind of things which have tailed yeah. onto loads of different subjects and yeah. specifically, like, the ones that are really strange and, and odd and Yeah, we like, we like odd things. And we used to, we both went to the same college and we used to go to um, get the same train and we used to have these really long conversations um, in, like, our first year in the train station. For some reason, like, we never kind of were, like, oh, we could just go into town and sit in a coffee shop or something like that. I mean, I think neither of us, because we were students, we didn't have like an awful lot of money. So that might have been <laughs> might have been one of the things. But um, there's a lot of stuff you can you can like see in a train station because there's lots of journeys um, and they're just really interesting places. Um, and the one that we sat in was a really nice kind of old Victorian station. So like the architecture is really good as well. Yeah, like York Station is particularly... Um it's that sort of old like remnants of past it's the huge like hall it's i don't know it's mm. rustic it has that sort of it's um, good. yeah like it's it's like a, a sort of past and in history and it's constantly made by people sort of funneling in and out and i don't know there's something about that impermanence about being there in this particular space um with us just two talking because we'd usually talk for like hours or something we'd usually like be there and you know, it would yeah, it would be a while because we we'd both miss, like, like we'd purposely miss our trains. So we yeah, just, like, exactly. Chat. That that's the thing. Like we used to do yeah. that. We used to just sit there in this in this <laughs> train station, just chatting. You know, and we're like, ah, well, we'll get the next one. I'll get the next one. I'll get the be next right. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no kind of like, oh, let's go and do something in town or something like that. Nah, station. That's yeah. where it's at. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was because I've mentioned that it was kind of uh, incidental but maybe it was just because we couldn't be bothered I, d- I don't quite know I like to think it's <laughs> quite well, profound yeah. the reason that we were there but maybe it was just like ah, well stuff it you know who know we're <laughs> looking back on it through like rose tinted glasses it's profound but at the time <laughs> possibly possibly it was just uh, yeah just because we couldn't be asked going anywhere else yeah i mean anyway <laughs> i mean it always comes down to that really and in the days like yeah. necessity is the greatest former of invention or whatever it is yeah so this is this is the station podcast um which is what we decided to call it um and what we're kind of interested in is stories but not just any stories we, we kind of want to look at odd things and strange kind of bits and um i don't know if i don't if you want to say a little bit about um like hauntology which is kind of our our sort of um little i don't know uh, kind of hook our kind of the kind of thing that we're sort of basing this or wanting to base this on in general i mean obviously hauntology was something that i i discussed with sam and 
and obviously it's, it's a really complex idea. It's a really kind of well, fascinating one that these kind of ideas ascribed in the past and kind of uh, and rooted in sounds that are particularly made by people like, uh, by artists like Burial or The Caretaker, um, who are these really ambient samplers who are kind of plunder phonics artists, if you will, who are kind of drawing from sounds of the past to kind of recreate sort of in future. Like, for mm. example, The Caretaker has an album called um, An Empty World of Bliss, uh, which is this whole album based around The Shining by, like, The Shining sort of uh, aesthetic from the Stanley Kubrick film, using mm. some of the, uh, the songs Midnight, The Stars, and You, which is one of them, and these... Like these old sort of janky sort of uh, plinky tunes to then mm. create this really like industrial environment where they're being produced. So you're kind of sitting in this warped version of hearing them like an old gramophone and it kind of twists the idea of what these songs were originally ascribed for and now what they're mm. being manipulated to do. Especially now you're looking at the intent that they usually originally had amidst the, their own time and now being transferred and yeah. reappropriated for another time. So that's, yeah, that's kind of what we're wanting to look at. Not specifically just in music. Um, so it's kind of like things that um, ideas or concepts or particular kind of, um, I don't know what the kind of right, you know, sort of um, ideas that have kind of have, have formed at some point in the past and then have kind of been taken and other things have been done with them, but you can kind of see them coming back in various different art forms. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what we're what we're interested in. And hopefully you are as well. Like, if not, maybe stop listening now. <laughs> yeah, definitely stop <laughs> listening now. <laughs> save yourself. Um, so, yeah, save yourself. The I, I think that thematic thing of um, it's sort of entrenched because I think hauntology was this this crux of it because it is a really fascinating philosophy of why mm. is it being reappropriated. Um, I think that was just something that sort of cried out to both of us as being something quite fascinating, and yeah, I think that's definitely. what we're sort of stemming this this from in a sort of way is yeah. to kind of you know where you know where where else are these ideas you know what else you know is being used by this because it, it it does it's entrenched in a lot of different philosophy i mean i'm not doing justice but it's, it's a good example of what that is there's um, lots of books to read out there isn't there on on hauntology there's like derrida and then um mark fisher as well has got some kind of interesting thoughts on on that kind of those kind of philosophies and that that kind of stuff we definitely talked about sort of ghosts of my life and that's what mm. I'm basing a lot of that off, um, some of the writings. So it, it's absolutely, um, it really delves into it in a kind of massive way. So yeah, mm. so that's hauntology. Mm. I mean, hauntology is something we've kind of, we talked about and obviously we may we may go into it sort of further mm. points because it, it, there's, a, there's a lot to be to be said for it. You know, how definitely it sort of relates to- of hauntology. Because I, I kind of sent you over all the stuff about sort of vaporwave and and yeah yeah like and obviously there's plunder phonics in its general form is an absolutely amazing and astonishing uh, feat of mm. accomplishment. I mean that's something we want we aspire to to do is to kind of encompass all art forms of what we're talking yeah. about, whether it be music, traditional yeah. media, um, you know, films, just just anything, you know. Yeah books non-fiction fiction literature um genre fiction um 
yeah other other art forms that we can't quite remember at this time but we may <laughs> we may stumble across a sound art things like that um art installations performance um uh, like um theater and uh, kind of performance art things like that anything really we can uh yeah <laughs> It's that sort of wide bracket. We've left it really open. I mean, obviously, mm. it's not like a flyer or, or on the bottom of a you know street or something like that, which you're going to pick up and start reading through and be like, oh, this is really interesting. What, what does this relate to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not quite that, but obviously to the breadth of any sort of high art or, you know, yeah. pop, popular culture. We're investigative. If we like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, we didn't want to be kind of like pigeonholed into just doing like music or just doing like literature or just doing one thing because there's so much good stuff out there um <laughs> truly absolutely truly too much maybe too much for a lot for one lifetime or even two <laughs> yeah i mean or more yeah who knows <laughs> exactly so what what do what do we base our first conversation? What we what we trying to aim to do with this one? Because we went away, we kind of both said to each other, "Let's yeah. go, let's go away and do some sort of like research. Let's have a look at some media that exemplifies this point." What was our point, Sam? We we wanted to look at cats. Um, we wanted to look at cats <laughs> specifically, um, specifically cats in horror, um, and kind of like because there's a lot. From from my research anyway, from what I went away and I looked at, there's lots of kind of tropes of cats in in particular horror films, um, where kind of cats tend to sort of there's a few different and sorry, I say horror films, not just horror films in in various different kind of horror um, genres, cats tend to kind of um, like occupy like a certain space or they, there's certain kind of things that they do because obviously I mean in some things I mean there's, there's like some movies about where cats and things like that but cats generally quite small they're possibly not particularly like the the main kind of villain in the horror film but i know a lot of the time they're kind of used is um so um the you know your, your kind of protagonist might be hiding somewhere they think that the they're being sort of pursued by whatever monsters attacking them they think they hear a noise um and they think that it is it but actually it's just like a cat or something like that so there's like a bit in um like they, i don't know if you've seen like one of the halloween communities um, where there's, they kind of they accidentally eat all this like uh, taco meat that's uh, got this like kind of virus that basically sends people into zombies, um, and there's one bit where some of them, two of the characters, escape down into the basement, and this random cat just starts like jumping across the st- screen and like meowing at them, and it's just like this really random little moment, and they're like, oh, we've got to deal with this cat, like what on earth's going on? It's really weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we we kind of want to look at cats. Yeah, I, I mean that was that was the basis of it, wasn't it? Because we kind of both we both came to that consensus because we came in conversation about well, cats are pretty weird, you know. They 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 used a lot within horror. We seem to they seem to be the device of it, um, which yeah. I mean, I, I think it was exemplified through what I was looking at because what you were saying about them being used in like a a sort of like an omen or a sort of symbol is that what you were yeah i think so i think because it's like they never or, or uh, never say never but very rarely i think they're kind of like going to be the the thing that's trying to get you in the horror movie they're never they're not going to be the monster but they're often kind of like um yeah symbolic of something um like in the in the in quite in one of the the stories that i've kind of looked at they're kind of like a symbol of like the protagonists um i got protagonist maybe the wrong way the narrator's um kind of guilt 
um or yeah or they're kind of like because sometimes yeah they are kind of like they do end up being um actually you know uh, quite instrumental um and perhaps horrifying or doing some things that you wouldn't assume cats to do like for example eat people but because they're cats people don't particularly think that they're going to do that so they almost like um yeah i guess like um take you by surprise it, it's it's funny that you mention all this because like as soon as i'm thinking about it how sue comes to mind because the the main mm. antagonist in that film is the cat like okay it's actually imbued within this this cat. It's not like mm. there's no symbology to it, or there's no, well, there's no metaphor kind of present or like, oh, there it is, like, oh, it's supposed to represent. No, it, the cat has just cat. like glowing eyes and it sort of pings out every occasion and it is warping all these things, like all these permutations in this house. It, it, it like makes an apparition of mm. the main protagonists. Uh, auntie in the film and and she's really strange and the weird thing was that she moves with this kind of um sort of feline kind of manner she's very sort of Mm. delicate and sort of prying her way sort of through and and that that to me is kind of oh well there's there's something to that like it's It's almost a connection yeah i I mean the cat and the the woman that the cat did you say sorry? So the cat kind of like summons this, pretends to be this person in the film. Well, yeah, wow. she's sort of like she is an apparition. She's made and conquered and well, conjured. Con- no, it's conjured. Um, conjured, yeah, yeah. And but this is a weird thing because within there's the obviously in Japanese uh, mythology you have um, the the bakoneko which is the stupid cat, which is... So a cat grows to a certain age and then they become a yokai, which is a sort of Japanese monster, which is kind of weird. So... So Eddie, all all cats. All cats. All cats. They just get to a point and they're like, right. It's (laughs) age. I don't want to... Yeah, I don't want to sit by the fire anymore. I don't want pets. I'm going to become an evil monster. I'm going to fuck shit up. But this is the thing. They're all like, right, within Japanese mythology and within yokai, they're all mischievous. They're all like jovial mm. jokesters. They're almost like, ah, it's not... They're, they're, like, if, you, if you've if you ever seen any of these kind of weird creations of the Japanese mm. mythology, they're just weird. Like, there's always like an eye in someone's anus or an eye in an umbrella or this weird opening. And it, it's always like that. So for them to have it yeah. as a baka neko, which is this stupid cat. But the weird thing is, the it's like associated with the tail length. So okay. however long the tail is indicates intelligence, which is weird. Okay, that's yeah, that's really strange. I'm just trying to think of anything else. Yeah, like that's quite a quite unique kind of thing. But then you get like a neko mata, which is mm-hmm. like a. a cat with two tails so it splinters off so mm-hmm. the original tail then splinters off into two tails and they are necromancers as well which is really weird <laughs> which i was actually thinking so then the, sorry go on so i was gonna say and, and the, both of these like variations just kind of evolve like pokemon almost 
from like yeah from they, normal cats it is very much like name. pokemon when i think about it it's like i mean i guess you can see like you can see where the kind maybe like the kind of some of the influences for kind of yeah like animals changing at a certain point in pokemon can maybe came from like folklore and stuff like that it's um, it's true yeah like yeah actually yeah. i think there are pokemon with two splintered tails and i'm trying to think specifically there's like nine tails yeah which is i mean it's kind of more like a fox but i guess like um like foxes and cats are i think um part of either the same family or genus so like not quite the same species but like they are quite quite related i think or i'm just showing myself up in like how bad i am at biology <laughs> zoology even no that's a really good point to mention because there is a, a cat that does have many tails and that is part of that and that is the kasha which is uh okay just another so cats seem to be really engrossed in the japanese mythology they're they're just the sort of backbone of why i i've I, really getting down to the crux of that they seem to just be sort of enrooted because cats were quite popular to have they were domesticated yeah. creatures but and then i sort of wondered because some of these are bad omens like the cats being like uh with longer tails oh is docking mm. a thing is uh are they like manx cats that uh. but no apparently not the no okay because i guess like some of the stuff that yeah i looked at is like kind of in like a lot of um like european kind of like especially in i guess it's, it's kind of seems to be mostly in the middle ages um or it's not even the middle ages a little bit it's sort of the 16th 17th century um when people sort of started to get really obsessed with witches um and possession and stuff like that um although i think um in the kind of 18th and 19th century um they kind of wanted to portray it as being a bit further back to kind of distance themselves with, from it and um, because I think it's like the 18th century was probably was or 19th century was when the last person was tried and uh, killed as a witch, so it's not even that long ago. But but it's t- it tends to be kind of more portrayed as being back in the Middle Ages. But anyway, um, yeah, um, cats were were kind of like associated as um, sort of being familiars of witch witches. Um, so the people used to think that um, they it wasn't a cat, but it'd be a devil that had taken like the form of a cat, usually a black cat. Um, and that there was a lot of kind of like anti-Catholic engravings and stuff like that, which would maybe show like like the one that I sent to you. I don't know if you've looked at it, which is like a it's really weird. Um, and maybe we could like put it up, yeah. um, so people know what we're talking about. And it's like um, it's like a nun trying to like there's a cat that's kind of running off with um, like a severed penis, and there's like a nun trying to kind of like get the penis off it with a with a fish. <laughs> So I think it's kind of trying to be like, oh look, look, like nuns are doing all this like weird shit with cats and penises and fish. Um, like, don't be a Catholic, be a Protestant. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the, really uh, a the weird, message. There. This is a weird image, though. But this is true. This is like a real kind of engraving from like the 16th century, so like from about 600 odd years ago. There's like a jester in the back here as well, and like a window. Yeah. What, what is he? I don't know what he's about. He's like coaxing um, her with some sort of like it looks like a bag or some kind of. And she's got yeah. like a penis or a phallus kind of she's, ornament. She's, yeah, she does have a penis around a necklace. Yeah, I think it was kind of they were trying to sort of be like, like oh look at like Catholicism's like really bad and it's you know it's very um, like promiscuous and um, like yeah it's it's great. I don't know if that's yeah, 
but yeah there's just some so there's some very odd kind of like associations with cats um in like the middle ages in kind of europe which i you know i'd have to do more research to kind of um maybe find it find a link but i feel like there's definitely that's pro- probably some of the basis for them sorry not the middle ages the the kind of uh, it's like renaissance and, and kind of early modern period um there's definitely some kind of uh link there between um you know cats being sort of associated with witchcraft and devils and things like that and then them kind of making their way into kind of like the the horror canon um and and sort of being a thing in that was well, i think it like it seems that it's that sort of iconography as well it's it, it's that i mean they're a perfect prey for it in the sense that if they've been associated so long with being because i think that's what you see is like a lot a lot of the time you see in popular media is a witch portrayed with a, a cat that's a usual staple yeah um so yeah i think that the, the perfect kind of prey because you see it all throughout in the entirety of media that, that cats are but it seems like we associate cats with kind of this idea of being sort of malevolent or being nefarious in some way mm. it, it, it yeah it is a bit strange as i say it's like this it, this idea and i think i touched upon this last time we sort of we spoke was this kind of thing of the traits that we imbue upon cats being this yeah we definitely like personify animals a lot and i think there's there's that kind of thing is that they're like dogs and cats and because obviously kind of like dogs are like human's best friend and we, we've kind of trained them um so they can do all these amazing things and you know um you know you can go hunting with them or you know you can tr- you know you can train them to um if you you know um is a guide dog or you know if you've got a if you have an epileptic fit they'll go and get someone and bring them to you to help you and all these things and like you know we've kind of domesticated cats to kind of think that they're better than us like i like cats but they definitely think that they're better than us and they definitely have this kind of like they're like well you know i'm gonna let you stroke me but that's it's my choice and you know if, if you do it too much or you annoy me or you move me too much right i'm off you know you've you've had your you've had your fun um like yeah yeah there definitely is that there's like a there's a highfalutin attitude by by the cats they're like oh well we we truly know what we got here you know i'm they they remember yeah. they remember being in egypt and being treated <laughs> as gods you know they, they've 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 got that ancestral memory as a species and they're like yeah you know this is all right but build me a pyramid and then we'll see yeah um <laughs> you know yeah, that, that does seem to be that strange sort of connection and, you know, carry on from even that time. But it, it, I, again, I, I think that we do in some ways fear this, this kind of intelligence that cats bring to the table, as well as any other animal mm. becoming sort of truly sentient. Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a few... Um, I'm trying to think. There's like quite a few fiction things where like, um, like cats are often... Um, so in the... Uh, Bartimaeus trilogy which is kind of about um gin and genies and things like that um the, these kind of spirits um exist on like seven different planes um and humans can like see into one and like cats can see into three so they're like slightly more perceptive than humans um and then in um Pompoco um it's like raccoons and um, foxes can transform but also some cats so like cats are kind of in there of these kind of animals that that can kind of take human form and sort of I think it's only some cats, but they can still do it. Yeah, there's that weird thing of transfiguration as well, where 
it's kind of like shape shifting or being able to kind of mm. manipulate the form. That seems to be something maybe we kind of see as I don't know. That seems to be a recurrent theme as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's there's kind of yeah, like definitely. I think. I mean, it's, I think it's a thing when a lot of stuff to do with animals is kind of animals changing into humans, humans changing into animals. The kind of weird, like hinterlands, um, between you know, kind of between the two of sort of like human animal hybrid kind of um, thing um, creature. Well, because it's kind of slightly. Yeah, I was, Sorry, I, was going. I was thinking about like the 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 back and uh, the the nekomata, and obviously this intelligence mm. that suddenly kind of. Um, they they stand on sort of the hind legs and they become kind of like more, they become more eloquent and they start speaking. And this mm. reminded me of the Rick and Morty episode where uh, oh with the cat with uh, Snowball becomes uh, becomes like sent. It, it goes through the same sort of arc. If you actually notice the yeah, the mech- but there's also the there's the cat in like the later series that starts talking yeah but yeah sorry keep going back back, back to snowball and the, the mech i was like i was like i knew there was like a connection rick and morty cats and i swear there's a cat in the in the title sequence maybe like it's you know when there's all the stuff kind of like whizzing around yeah um because they go into the, when they go into like the the kind of universe that's like ending there's all like schrodinger's cats yeah are all just everywhere because <laughs> it's they're kind of not quite in existence yeah yeah, I think that that was sort of like, uh, yeah, I kind of covered that, and I think they're not obviously they were like, like splayed out into the universe, and I think yeah, yeah, but but yeah, as you're saying like Snowball, like yeah, when he kind of as his intelligence, as he kind of like, um, you know, kind of like modifies his mech suit, and he's like if his kind of brain thing and turns into a mech suit, he becomes more and more kind of like, like hominoid, and he becomes more and more kind of like you know, he stands up, he starts to you know he kind of resemb you know like someone's like resembling like a human in the way that he's like standing because he's kind of you know he's in a mech suit he's like up on on four legs um he's, he's intelligent I, as i say this is where like even when i was looking at yon and mu like the the so yon and mu is the japanese uh manga uh by junji ito who is a notoriously um graphic horror manga artist uh but this 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 Yon and Mu is very very sweet. It's like cute. It, it, it's not like any of his other material. But if you see throughout it now, obviously I'll, I'm going to show Sam here um, mm-hmm. some actual stuff through it because I can't. Well, where is it? Because obviously, I mean, obviously our viewers at ho- or listeners at home cannot see what I'm about to show Sam, but he can maybe uh, get the point and sort of see yeah. it for himself. Or we could, I don't know, maybe we can like put up, put up some yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'll put up some I images, quite know. but obviously they're like, they're portrayed as really, like, there's cats here. There's one one very fascinating thing, which I don't know if you found. Like, in Haosu, apparently cats can, cat normal cats can open doors, like Japanese doors. My, my cat can open doors. But um, but apparently... Like, he, he just headbutts them and like kind of charges through, or he'll like... If it's kind of closed the other way, he'll kind of like pull at it with his paws until it opens. Like obviously, not if it's like on a latch or something, but if it's just kind of open, yeah. he'll kind of like pull it open. So you're like, when we'll be sat um, on on our sofas, um, you'll just kind of one of them kind of covers the door, so you'll just sort of see the door swing open, yeah. <laughs> and then a few seconds later, you'll just hear some little paws, and then you'll hear him like leap up onto the sofa next to you and start purring. 
but anyway sorry these cats that can they pull open the the kind of those like japanese sliding doors but it, but obviously i think that works quite well into it because it exemplifies the point really that, that this is a universal thing it's not just like yeah. something within japanese like the cats can suddenly open they're like they're like velociraptors and then there's also that like this is this is really random, but that like Cravendale, Cravendale advert where they like get thumbs, and it's like, could you imagine how terrifying cats would be if they had thumbs? Because they could do, you know, they could like open doorknobs, they could use tools, various different things. It's almost kind of like implying that like you know cats would take over the world if you know they mutated and and, and had thumbs, and it's that's the only thing that's like holding them back because they've kind of got everything else sussed. Well, it sort of plays into that idea of like the Ricky Morty episode because that's exactly what um, the dogs do in that episode is they kind of take over, you know, the entire civilization mm. and because yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's like obviously Rick and Morty is like a comedy thing, but that's quite a horror trope of of something like a dog or a cat or something that's that you know Triffids in Day of the Triffids something that's just sort of like at the beginning is sort of seen as not being particularly um worrisome or you know in the case of animals something that kind of like humanity's kind of like historically exploited and sort of used kind of rising up gaining intelligence and taking over the world and obviously in the kind of Rick and Morty in the the snowball episode it, it ends um you know happily but yeah it's definitely kind of like a, a sort of you know that's a horror arc that's happening there well if you even um, like the first doesn't finish when the first scene when you see snowball sort of enter in like obviously it starts with this horror kind of element like you where she goes up to where he goes up to summer and says where are my where are my testicles summer (laughs) that is a horror like that's yeah that mirrors a lot of horror imagery and iconography it is a horrific Mm. scene and this notion i think like the when you start seeing what they're doing like the ways that they're doing what jerry did for example which is like shoving the snowball's face into the into the pee like they're doing that they're kind of taking it's a horror sort of element like you get this oh god it's horrible like it they're taking revenge in some sort of way it's like uh i don't know it's like dog sore or something like that but obviously not quite as gruesome you know they're kind of like ironically like punishing it because it's even like later there's the bit where uh where he's like, oh, like, you know, you're aggressive, Jerry. We, we've got to, like, you know, we've got to sort that out. And then one of them's, like, kind of, like, snipping some scissors. And he's like, you think a haircut's going to control me? But obviously, they're going to neuter him. Which is, again, horrific. Like, you know, straight out of a horror film. Well, this is, um, the, this is the thing. I mean, you know, if if that were granted, you know, we we often don't see the ramifications of our actions towards animals. And I think this is what... No, no. Maybe this sort of harkens to... Like the Cravendale advert, although, again, it's it's yeah. quite comical. I remember seeing that as a younger a younger person and, and thinking, this is... That, that prospect is quite fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of brings me into the, the, the stories that I looked at are predominantly about kind of cats... Well, one of them is definitely about cats getting their revenge. Um, so it's a it's a really random little um, kind of story um, that H.P. Lovecraft wrote, who um, incidentally really liked cats, um, and I think he had a cat, but he was a, he was definitely a fan of cats. Um, so it's it's called the Cats of Ulthar, and basically it's set in this very small. It's like a village that kind of it comes back in quite a lot of his work, and there's quite a lot of cats in his stuff. But um, basically, it's illegal to kill a cat in the village and before the law was passed um 
there was a couple that were quite infamous for trapping and killing any cat that were like strained to their um, garden so um, one day some travellers sort of came to the village and one of them had a little uh, black kitten um, which vanished and, and the travellers were kind of like well you know where's it gone and the villagers sort of explained that you know the, this couple you know if there's any cats go missing they'll have trapped them and killed them um, so then kind of what happens is the um, the boys obviously really upset and the strangers are kind of seen to kind of start performing this strange ritual and they kind of see clouds in the sky start turning into kind of humans with uh, animal heads and the strangers leave um, but that and the next day all the cats have vanished and the the villagers think that the strangers have sort of taken them with them as kind of revenge for their cat vanishing but one little boy called Atul um, says that he saw the cats all circling around the uh, the couple that killed the cat's cottage in a very strange kind of ritualistic um, sort of way. And then over the next couple of days, the cats come back, but they won't eat anything. And they all look very, very satisfied with themselves. And they're very purry and very full looking. And a couple of weeks go by and this couple um, aren't seen anywhere. And so I think that the rest of the, the village are quite scared of them because obviously they, you know, they, they kill cats. They're, they're pretty horrible people. Um, but after a couple of weeks, they decide, well, you know, let's go and check it out. So they um, they open the door and the only thing they can see is two skeletons that have been completely, um, their bones have been completely picked of all meat and anything left. And that's how the story ends. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that is like it does play into the revenge sort of theme. Like that to me is is a classic sort of thing of the well. There's these kind of awful, despicable people that are are doing things to cats. They are these things below us. So then all of a sudden they rally together, uh, uprising. You know, take yeah, take yeah, back. Yeah. But we this is the thing. Like we, I, I think we often it's this kind of. I don't know in some way sort of superiority complex or the, something to do with that is this kind of we mm. we imbue that oh well these things they're not they're not like us we're not the same so you know what- yeah it's like um like othering so it's like it's other to us and animals are obviously very other to us so it's very easy to kind of say they're not as intelligent as us they're not you know they're they're not as morally significant as us they don't have language they don't have all the the things that kind of humans tend to measure intelligence by so we can treat them how we like and they can't you know they're not smart enough to to sort of do anything um to to stop that really yeah because often like the thing of horror or body horror examples being like the fly the cat in the hat movie with mike myers Cats. I mean, that's like. Would you count it as a horror film? It is. I mean, Sam, it is, Sam I, I, I've watched Houseu. That was supposedly a psychological horror about cats. Fucking cat in the hat is so much more scary than that. I tell you, I'm not being. Like, I'm not joking. It actually is. Like, I think it's one of his most like underrated work. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. It's got some moments in it. Like, it's it's one of those films that's like so bad. It's amazing. Like, watch the cat in the hat. It's great. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Watch the Cat in the Hat, but it's a it is a fucking cursed film. I tell you that. Yeah, it, it's weird, very <laughs> fucking weird. But the thing is, like, when you see Mike Myers in just like a cat outfit, it's it's just it's terrifying. Like, if you see him yeah, like walking around in it, he's like puffing around and just. This is the thing. 
why why do and i mean obviously i'm not the only one who sort of thinks that like mike myers was pretty fucking like it's, it's weird you know it's weird to see someone in dressed up as a cat like and obviously yeah i was going to mention cats as well which we talked about last time <laughs> yeah like why do they try and make them so sexy weird i don't get it but this this kind of half breed of humanoid but then like oh we'll we'll splice it together with cats like it's like i don't know if you've ever read about like like the uncanny which is kind of a a thing that freud um among quite a lot of other people was quite interested in but there's a kind of thing called the uncanny valley which is it's the kind of point but it's when something is like a kind of severed arm is in the uncanny valley because it's like quite close to being human so it's like the close it's just not quite close enough to be human but it's not quite other enough to be different and like yeah cats and cats definitely sit in there because they they're just there's just something about them that's just a little bit too human a little bit too cat and yeah mike myers in cat in the hat as well i'd say <laughs> he's very uncanny well, I mean, the, you've, yeah. you've got the computer graphic generated um, cats in cat, which is just the, the, the kind of comp, like compositing, you know, cat images, like these weird sort of yeah, new yeah. bodies. And then a man in a, a cat suit, which, you know, it was kind of like bouncing around and constantly making jokes and sexual remarks. Incredibly, in a, incredi- yeah, I was going to say like incredibly inappropriate jokes. For, it's like more like watching like, I don't know, like Austin Powers does... Uh, Dr. Seuss than actually watching a Dr. Seuss film. Like, it's bizarre. Um, but yeah, there is, because oh, there's like some moments when um, he's like quite close to murder. Like, he almost like knocks that kid whose like birthday it is, it's like, just like takes, <laughs> like, hits him with a bat and just like takes him out. Um, and I think there's definitely on YouTube, like, I've seen like that film recut, like the trailer recut. So it's a horror film. Yeah. And it makes a fantastic horror film. Because there's like the bit at the beginning where they kind of like, they kind of just see this cat like starts appearing in their house and like popping up behind them and they're like hiding from it. And it's like, who are we hiding from? And it's like under the bed with them and like, ah, running away. And it's, yeah, so, as with Rick and Morty, classic like horror tropes. And they I guess they're kind of like even more horrific because of kind of like how horrific the kind of Mike Myers costume as a cat is and it just looks so you know if that was coming at you you'd be terrified <laughs> I mean I mean truly I mean this is the thing obviously if you look at the original Dr. Seuss material you don't it's in no the way the source material as you will yeah if you look at that that, that book th- there's no way inference that the cat is you know horrific or evil or or weird. i mean it's a bastardization yeah. of the material itself it, it, lo- yeah. it loses the point completely but so far removed as well. so far removed that it's it's weird it's creepy mm. like if you look at like the thing one and thing two in it as well like they're just as equally you know it, it, it's it's mental but then as i say this this kind of notion of a, a giant cat now no longer makes any mm. sense because it's not cartoony or it's not been put under a guise. Yeah. It's now a real, like, again, if you imagine that, a real cat-like human, it's like something out of, meta- yeah, yeah. It's like out of Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. Yeah, You don't yeah. just blindly like, sort of take an eye on oh, well, Yeah, Gregor awoke one morning to find himself transformed into a giant cat. Like, 
and yeah, he remembered he remembered making a film about oh well that it was kind of like a James Bond thing but then he was like he was constantly dancing around and making really weird jokes and inappropriate like, like touching yeah. people <laughs> yeah it's very strange uh, truly although not his worst film ironically because that's the love guru because yeah. that's terrible yeah so <laughs> i agree with that yeah it's not not quite his worst film but anyway um not to piss off any like diehard mike myers fans truly as um, the uh i know not that i've ever met any um i mean i, I yeah i used to really like austin powers um yeah not pro- not possibly um yeah the, the kind of aged particularly well i don't think but anyway <laughs> i think austin powers fans yes of its t- mike myers fans I don't, I don't know how many of those there are. <laughs> like, no, I don't know. Like, anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So going back to the main sort of thesis of what we're, we're kind of constructing here with, with cats in yeah. horror, um, I, I think that, to me, it does extend through a lot of different animals. I mean, obviously, cats are the prey of superstition. Mm. They, they have this, this um, past of being a symbol of something nefarious or like the stalkers really uh, if you think about what they are they're very close to their descendants or we see them as descendants as, of leopards and kind of any sort of yeah yeah def- which definitely yeah which we would naturally be in any environment we'd be scared of these creatures because they are yeah yeah uh, that would have been our I, they'd have been our predators yeah at some point um, definitely and they still are, you know, if you, if you encountered a leopard with, without, you know, in the wild, it would probably have you um, if it was hungry. Definitely. I mean, yeah, if you was if you were stuck it out on like a safari, yeah, it'd be definitely like a, a prey yeah. or a predator still. Um, but yeah, we... we but the, yeah, there's like... Sorry, keep no, it's all right, it's fine. Um, I was just going to say there's like definitely, um, when I was having a look, there's definitely like, yeah, like people kind of transformed into cats um, that they're kind of like used a lot. It's like consciousness um, um, is people's consciences, even um, not consciousness is their conscious consciences, um, or kind of avengers and things like that. So they kind of like will often be kind of like symbols of something, or um, you know, they'll kind of their presence will imply like guilt or something uh, like that, which is the, the case in The Black Cat by um, Edgar Allan Poe, which is a truly horrific story about a cat. And he also liked cats. Um, but p- p- I'm, I'm guessing from his treatment of them, maybe not quite so much as Lovecraft. Why was? <laughs> because, so it's about, it, the main character is kind of basically like narrating his story. And he's, um, basically sort of saying he kind of starts off by basically saying i uh you know i was i was an all right person but then i became an alcoholic and my life kind of went to shit um and he had a cat and quite a lot of other animals and as he's and um he lived with them and his wife and as he became more and more alcoholic and he he started mistreating all the other animals apart from the cat until one night he decided to just to he was very drunk he just decided to cut out one of its eyes with a knife um and then he kind of has this sort of like why why did i do that ah i did it because i could and um you know i had the power over it so then he decides the next day he decides oh i'm gonna finish the job and he decides to hang his cat um so then that more that that morning i don't know why i'm laughing it's pretty horrific he um he decides to he kind of wakes up and his house is on fire and the whole house burns down apart from one 
bit of wall that's like behind his bed and on the wall is the kind of outline of his cat with a noose around its neck kind of in black on the white wall so he thinks he's like oh that's a bit weird but maybe someone just chucked the cat in when the house is on fire and it kind of made 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 that shape i don't know um so then he decides um after a while um he, he starts to feel kind of quite guilty about his uh his cat um and he sort of meets another cat um when he's out drunk um so he decides to bring it home um, and his wife really likes it but then he decides to he, he starts detesting this cat because he realizes that it's also got an eye missing and it's the same eye and it's got like a slight patch of um of white fur on its breast which uh, which slowly starts kind of goes around and begins to resemble um a noose around its neck so after he, he starts to become like terrified of the cat um and he begin yeah he, he kind of like it will just but it will follow him around but he kind of can't bear to be near it because it just reminds him of what he's done so one day um when him and his wife are in the the cellar um doing some work he decides right this is enough so he gets an axe and tries to kill the cat but she like stays his hand so he's like right i'm gonna kill her instead so he kill he kills her um and then he decides to like brick her up in a chimney a couple of days pass and he kind of notices that the, he can't he can't see the cat so he's like oh it must have ran off because i tried to kill it um so then the police come and search his house and they're all in the basement and he gets like a bit cocky so he's kind of like oh you know um uh you know you i'm glad that you know you didn't find anything um you know and he sort of, sort of, sort of starts kind of going like oh you know well my house is so great and it's so like well constructed and then he like whacks on the wall but it's the bit that he's kind of bricked back up and he hears like this scream coming from inside it so the police kind of open it up and find his um his wife's body and that the cat is like sat atop her head meowing so kind of like in the end the cat is obviously it's kind of like his conscience of, of kind of like what he's done um but it also then kind of like betrays him um yeah <laughs> I mean, that that's like a really sort of common thing for Edgar Allan Poe because I, I didn't, I was obviously not, actually not familiar yeah. with that story. But he has the, he likes people being bricked up or put in particular Definitely. places. Like there's a tale, there's the Telltale Heart thing where he obviously has yeah someone hit it and there's the heart beating and that gives away you know yeah it's, the bone so it's like guilt kind of thing. But it's kind of like in this like the the cat is definitely kind of like manifest of because you know, it just it's it resembles this cat that's kind of come back i don't think he even names this other so both both the cats are black as well which is why it's called the black cat but this other one that, that just begins to just resemble the cat that he's that he's for some reason just decided to murder um because he could um yeah horrific truly i mean but, it, when you were mentioning about the like the actually the eye as well that the, the eye being sort of taken out it reminded me yeah. of the lighthouse um, okay. the 2019 film with uh, Robert, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe because within that film uh, Willem Dafoe explains that seagulls are the, the souls of dead sailors they're actually imbued upon them so in the in the okay. film, um, there's this like there was this seagull that keeps constantly sort of pecking and and having a pry at sort of Robert Pattinson, who eventually ends up um, and it's got like one eye missing. Now obviously Willem Dafoe sort of explains, oh my last my last uh, my last uh, assistant or you know last lighthouse keeper, 
he went insane and he you know ended up sort of you know killing himself so obviously like we later find out that this seagull you know that is missing an eye was actually the last mate you know who'd come along and everything oh. so and anyway but they seem to be these kind of omens any sort of creature mm. as i say extending through cats because i think there's something to be said there about black cats as well specifically um well because it's a witches witches cats were or are always kind of shown as being yeah like usually they're usually black cats um and there's you've got lots of superstitions as well you know about kind of like a you know a black cat crossing your path is meant to like be unlucky i think yeah, yeah that's that's I'm right yeah suspicious but yeah um yeah well, it, well, there's supposed to be there's definitely that. Well, yeah. it's weird because they're supposed to be as well like symbols of good luck. Like I, I think a cat crossing, if you see a black cat, it's good luck or something. Yeah, and there's the, there's like the money cat. Yeah, the money neko that shows is going to mention. The, yeah, so yeah, I just that's the proper word for it. The, so what it is like, I didn't know like the poor like so. There's actually two things to the poor. There's two explanations I heard because the money neko. It's a cat where you you see it and its paws are sort of gesticulated next to the, the head. Mm. And one person explained that that was the cat sort of licking its paw and sort of presenting it like that, licking it. Now, another person okay. sort of explained it as the gesture for hello or like hello or welcome is, uh, well, I'm sort of gesturing to Sam mm. here to come, so come over here to like, yeah. um, so bring back. Through the screen. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just kind of like, I'm sort of <laughs> darting my hand back and forth at him. Um, it's like a, kind of like a weird 3D effect. <laughs> I know, yeah. The, the closer it comes, like, like the more it's like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's coming at me. <laughs> but like, um, but what the Japanese do and the gesture for uh, hello is actually like to push away, like to do this, to like sort okay. of... Now I, tr- I tried to find the reasoning in because it, for it, but the Japanese are a bit like, Oh well, it is what it is. Like <laughs> it's what it is. Like the Maninako, it's like oh, the Maninako. It's supposed to be brings happiness. Uh, yeah, well, why? But apparently, it's just a good look omen. Like through, if you look through a couple of like myths, and legends, apparently mm. it's just they were signs of good luck. Something happened, and the cat was there, either looking at it or was there at the time. And they're like, oh, well, that's a good omen. That's a good sign. They're good. They're good creatures. Mm. But yeah. Uh, I mean, that's its own sort of thing to delve into is <laughs> why the cats mm. are... Because they are, as I say, there's that which is sort of predicated around, which is weird because we have this thing of, in mythology, cats are considered weird, they're considered superstition, like thing of which... Like, I didn't know that. Like, in uh, this film that I was looking at, the uh, Neko... was it? What was it called? Uh, the Kuro Neko. Um, it actually... The film is called The Black Cat, and it features a black cat in the film, okay. but it's like it's a thing of witches and, but but you know mm. as I say witches aren't really. I, I thought that was more of a Western idea more than I did think it was a sort of a Japanese or yeah or Asian. It's not yeah. I mean it, it might be, but yeah, it's definitely yeah. It's definitely yeah. I whenever I've come across it, it's, it's usually yeah European um, kind of yeah beliefs and stuff like that. Because um, it yeah because it kind of it stems a bit more from it's kind of like christianity and the kind of like um fear of of sort of like pay i guess i guess kind of like the resurgence of paganism and things like that devil worship and stuff like that um and yeah i mean i guess is what you know in the kind of like 
witch burning you know in the kind of times when they used to burn witches as well there's a lot of people would just get accused of it and it quite a lot of the time it would be if you didn't like someone um, especially if they're a woman you could just accuse them of being a witch um, and yeah they might if they didn't have a very good standing in the community because a lot of kind of law and stuff like that back then uh, you know if people didn't like you they'd just be like oh yeah 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 she's a witch you know uh, we, we we passed a house and our milk you know turned sour or we couldn't we couldn't make any cheese it's definitely a witch put a curse on us um and yeah <laughs> that was pretty pretty much it so it's yeah really bad but as yeah definitely kind of I, th- there's that kind of it definitely isn't something that i'd associate with japan but i could be wrong but that's that's interesting you mentioned that the, the whole thing of like burning people obviously or, or that sort of accusatory thing of of witches because i think mm. it, it shows and what i was going to mention earlier about the yon and moo thing is throughout this it's all really playful the cats actually are p- portrayed quite you know, loving, and it's actually based on Junji Ito's ex- own experience with cats. Okay, yeah. But this is—is is it a horror or is so? It... Junji Ito is renowned as a horror manga um, illustrator, and even so, he's de- he's depicted in this. But he has this sort of irrational fear because he's so laden with all these kind of uh, these thoughts and horrific images. He sees the cats, like for example, he sees like on one of the cats, it has like a face that looks like a skull. Like it's actually got like black, uh, black points, and then like a, a long sort of elongated mouth. Okay. And he's constantly fearing. But the thing is, in the way that it's depicted in the actual manga, they're actually the two people, Eiko and Junji, uh, are actually like the really creepy ones. Like some really creepy images of them. Not the cats. No, of, of them. Like the the way that they act and the way that I'm tr- okay. just gonna try and find that because I think it's. So is it maybe like that they're almost like projecting their kind of like them themselves onto the cats and being like because they're they're so creepy and they have all these kind of weird images going like, on like in their head that that. like look at that yeah it's yeah that's pretty terrifying it's like so it's it's if the, one of the uh, one of the people's jaws is basically opening up um and it's yeah it's just got is it saliva but it basically just looks like rows and rows of really sharp teeth and his and, i mean his jaw is like opening like kind of like like a snake's like really really wide. so it looks like it's sort of dislocated what i will do is i will link yeah. yon and moo um yeah but it was just to sort of ex- i might have to have a read of that when i it, i mean it's just to exemplify this kind of point of that in a lot of the depiction of the book um because his wife his wife aiko actually is depicted with no eyes in it as well she's like she has no pupils and it's quite oh creepy like but they're obviously it's really cute it's really sweet but the cats are just like obviously they're they're seen as these kind of demon like he, he like he goes to his mother-in-law's and he sees this uh, sort of like apparition and he never actually gets to see the cat so it comes through and it's like he's crossed it out he's like done it as lines essentially like he's and and I'll show you what it's like but yeah there we are so he's done this cat like that so it looks like a spirit okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's almost like it's a static on a television in the kind of outline of a cat it's pretty good way of describing or like cross hatching or something like that yeah it's a kind of yeah so he never gets to see it but the first time he obviously it comes and sort of mistakes him for his father-in-law and it, it sort of scuttles off and he's never seen it before so that's mm. how he's depicted it it's this phantom this really weird just... apparition so the way that mm. he's portraying and the way that we see cats i think really does play a big part in this because it's it so i guess it changes sorry i was just gonna say it, it, it seems like it changes depending on his like relationship with the cat because obviously that that's a cat that he's not seen 
So he's drawing that in a certain way. And then the cats that he knows, he's kind of projecting like his, you know, like images of skulls and things like that onto them that, that maybe aren't actually there. Well, that's weird actually, because the, the cat does have a skull on its back and it does look... Oh, does it? Oh, okay. It does actually look quite weird. But the, the interesting thing that he was answered, because there there's a question and answer section throughout it, and someone asks, oh, well, you used to not like cats and you used to really depict them in a very scary, you know, sinister way in your, mm. your previous material. The cats now look really sweet and innocent. And it's like this humanization of, of cats because he professed himself yeah. as being a dog person before. But all of a sudden, he now has two cats and they're really friendly and sweet and, in, you know. Mm. Yeah, they're... There's some really, I mean, I think one of the weirdest... I'm just going to go back to Lovecraft now, mm. but not in that story, but, but it's the same cats, or similar cats, in the, the dream quest of Unknown Kadath, the, uh, the main character, which is it's a really weird Lovecraft story. Um, it's worth reading. It's one that's like... People don't particularly like it. Like, um, if you read anything about it, like, a lot of critics are kind of like, it's basically unreadable. I thought it was great. I don't know if, that's, <laughs> if that says something about me, but it's quite rambly, but I kind of enjoyed the rambliness of it. And just how kind of balls to the wall uh, bizarre it is. But the the main character, Randolph Carter, who's kind of, he's supposed to be, I think he's kind of meant to be a bit of a, kind of like based a little bit on Lovecraft. He's almost like an autobiographical character. But he goes on this adventure in, a, in the dream world. Um, and he, yeah, he gets the, the cats kind of, I think it's, oh, it's, I think it's on the moon. Um, they come and save him. He's, he's getting like kidnapped by these weird slug creatures and all the cats attack them in these like big battalions of cats just kind of appear on the moon um and yeah have this big fight with these kind of slug creatures and they're really intelligent and like presumably quite good at fighting but it's they're just very yeah really strange <laughs> strange cats um yeah because he saved earlier on in the story he saves this kitten um and looks after it gives it some milk and stops it from starving so they're like oh yeah we owe you one and they come and like come and rest so wait it's bizarre hold up a sec so this battalion of cats yeah i think that's either i haven't i haven't kind of like um gosh where is it i might be able to i might be able to find the thing but the kind of way that they're described and actually the kind of the way that all the kind of creatures are described here in this particular story um is really human like that they're kind of organized in a similar way and they're kind of they're just yeah not particularly um other at all yeah i don't think i'll be able to find that but read it it's interesting but yeah like they're kind of the you know they're described as kind of you know being you know as if you were maybe like reading like a, a military report i think or you know almost something like that like that they're kind of yeah no kind of like the, the strategy i think they may, they may almost even like might outflank the slugs or they kind of ambush them you know so they've got some there's definitely some kind of military uh military strategy strategy going on in it it's really weird but it certainly sounds a bizarre concept like pitting cats against slugs would is a definitely odd combination oh sorry I've, I've just found it so it was a stupendous sight while the tortures lasted and carter had never before seen so many cats black gray and white yellow tiger and mixed common persian and manx tibetan angora and egyptian all were there in the fury of battle and there hovered over them a trace of that profound and involatile sanctity which made their goddess great in the temple of babastis they leap seven strong at the throat of an almost human or the pink tentacled snout of a toad thing and drag it down savagely to the f- fungus plain wow 
So yeah, these cats got moves. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of probably that is it's probably one of the I remember reading it and you just kind of like talking about cats? Talking about weird it's weird. It's weird. I like it, but it's it's definitely strange. It's one of his one of his odder stories. It's one of his longer ones, but it's really weird. Well, I really like it. Well, I mean, it. like, a lot of, <laughs> like, H.P. Lovecraft's stuff is kind of, is so far removed and so, obviously, that's the thing. He has this yeah. tendency. I mean, sorry, go on. Yeah. I was just going to say, because it's all set in the in this thing called, like, the dream world that, that certain you can kind of access through certain points in the real world. So it is all, there is a sort of dreamlike quality to most of the, the text because it is in, this person has traveled into the dream world. But the dream world is like a real world that you can kind of go into and people live in it and real people live in it so it's not like you're dreaming and dreaming into it it's like you've almost like physically crossed over into it and you're no longer in the real world you're, you're in the dream world if that makes yeah. sense I, th- I think there's the that black mirror episode as well that sort of takes that same sort of stance it's the um it's where you can sort of have like a uh, an avatar in in this kind of reality, the simulated reality where you can kind of go and. I don't know if I've that one. Yeah, the, the I can't remember what it's called, but it's like Malibu episode where they go to this. Oh, um, San. San yeah, yeah, San Japan. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Yeah, San Japan. Yeah, but that really reminded me of that because obviously people do the same sort of thing. They cross over from this reality and then yeah, they decide to live there They're instead, in... which is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like some, yeah, just some weird like representations of cats. But um, in kind of, and I mean that's kind of horror-y. There's there's definitely horror 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 elements to that story. If it's a bit strange. But obviously, what I was going to mention was this thing of like Lovecraft have this tendency to uh, imbue sort of the outer, like something that would look down at us specifically, and say, oh well, these things are inferior. They're so you know. In, in the midst of the the grandest scheme of things, like we are, we are completely nothing. Like he obviously has this certain mm. perspective of kind of making us so small, which I think does amplify this point. Like obviously, if we see again going uh, sort of harkening on about this point, but this kind of thing of intelligence and seeing things that are mm. either you know more organized or you know we're put in the microcosm of this macro universe like for example if you see like a spider you're not threatened by it well most people aren't no. rationally threatened by it you can obviously have arachnophobia no. or yeah. but if a but if yeah. a spider was the size of i don't know a car you'd be kind of it would be really different yeah. it would you know it would no longer be oh well it's just it's it's not you know inconsequential to me it is now a <laughs> fucking yeah. threat that thing is terrifying yeah but maybe that's this whole thing at Definitely. play is that maybe there's something more cosmic to uh, our sort of predator fear thing because obviously i think lovecraft mm. is a perfect example to bring up there because obviously he experiments with this idea that we're futile in the universe or to these kind of things we mean nothing we are uh, we are dispensable yeah we're, we're ants in, in comparison to like these the, the elder things and the, the, these outer gods and the, the kind of his old pantheon of of yeah old ones and things like that definitely yeah even like when we're going back to that rick and morty episode again we're we're pushed aside and that's something rick and morty does often is this kind of thing of you're inconsequential your existence doesn't mean yeah. anything you know and that's but I guess they do it through, it's more through like the multiverse, isn't it? Of kind of like being like, because there's so many versions of you. What's so special about the one that you happen to be? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. 
I mean, we ov- and I think that, as I say, that's imbued upon creatures, and we see that sort of play out. Because if you had that sort of, if you had the same way that we look at cats, for example, we probably see now. Obviously, cats have a really unique bond with the, you know, with people. But we don't see cats as being individual. We don't see like a, I don't know, a Frederick Nietzsche cat. And then say, oh, well, that cat was really, you know, we just generally see cats as cats. You know, they are cats. Yeah. Not like, if you were to say, oh, well, people um, as a, you know, because we are the dominant species, you'd be like, well, there's loads of different people. Mm. There's loads of identity and whatever. We don't, yeah, we don't yeah, yeah. view there's... that same sort of guys in them. No, definitely. Sorry, go on. It's kind of like, yeah, you don't, don't give them that same kind of, like, I guess it's like selfhood is maybe what you could call yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you, we, we tend to think of, you, yeah you think of other people as as being a self as being an individual even though there's a lot of us we're, we're all slightly different um but yeah with animals but then i guess i think a lot of it um or from from the kind of research of because i'm quite interested in that from the kind of research i did is that we because we judge other animals through what we judge other humans intelligence and uniqueness f- f- with that we we miss a lot i think of of kind of what's unique about animals um but I definitely think that we do, as you were saying, like we do kind of like just put like, yeah, cats are a thing. And, we, you know, once you know one cat, you can assume that, you know, the more that's definitely a kind of a way that I think a lot of people possibly view most animals with. Unless you maybe like have a have a personal relationship with one, like own a pet or something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as I say, that I think that does take away from the uniqueness of, uh, you know, specifically cats, if we kind of see them as, you know, these yeah you know either like as as being a familiar or a symbol of something mm. you know you you do you know they become more of a a dispensable entity sorry go on what were you gonna say yeah i was just gonna say but it puts them in a perfect position for horror because you've not not only have you got things that are kind of generally thought of as being um you know not not particularly threatening but also um, is you know is in the case of the black cat you know the guy's like well I you know I can I can kill this cat because you know what's going to happen I can kill it it's fine uh, you, you kind of got a, a kind of power over them um, and then but then at the same time they kind of imbue that because you know most people's relationships with cats will be because they've got a cat so that it's kind of got that homely kind of safe feeling of it so when when those things kind of turn um, it can be very very terrifying indeed you know if you're if you're being attacked by battalions of cats that you thought were your friends or you know the growing thumbs and trying to get your milk out of the fridge as in the Cravendale advert it's yeah it'd be awful <laughs> terrifying it's you know it kind of turns everything you know you, your whole kind of the way that you could possibly think of kind of your place in the world gets like turned on its head because suddenly cats are coming at you with bats um, and they're drinking they're drinking your milk and they've got opposable thumbs and oh my god what's going on it's horrific but why do you think because I, I I sort of explained to you or I, I, I told you about the uh, the thing of the, the mice within the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide and obviously this is another inconsequential animal so why do you think specifically is cats you were sort of mentioning about homeliness but what else do you think really why are why like the the necromata or anything like this like why are cats this kind of this this symbol why mm. you know we've obviously gone over a lot of different reasons to why yeah because but... yeah. i was gonna say yeah because like all the things that i said um you could say about dogs as well um, and and you know to be fair like dogs are also used and, and wolves i guess because you've got werewolves and things like that are used in a lot of horror but i don't know if there's something that there's kind of like 
because cats are kind of like you know it's the kind of thing that if you know if you fell down and you died in your house and you had a dog your dog would probably try and get out and get you help your cat would eat you you know it would turn on you like that and it would eat you and there have, I think there have been times when people have died in houses and, and their cats, you know, been been eating them a bit because they're, you know, they're feral creatures. They're not quite as domesticated as dogs, but but they they can't kill you because they're so small. So I think there's that kind of thing that it's like if they suddenly got power and and could, they might, you know, dogs probably wouldn't, unless, you know, in, unless they've been trained in two because, you know, they're kind of our friends, but there's a kind of indifference to cats that they might, you know, if, if they could, they, they might, um, if that makes sense. Even though, like, you know, gonna gonna going to kind of rephrase it. I really like cats. Um, I think they're great, but they definitely, you know, they definitely might, if they could, they, they might overthrow, you know, humanity. <laughs> well, this is the thing. There's, there's, there's this kind of aloofness. I don't think we'd associate that same uh, idea with dogs. Like, we wouldn't say... Oh, they would. They they would do that. I mean, as I say, you, you. Although, in that Rick and Morty episode, they kind of do. But then at the same time, at the end, they kind of are kind of convinced to go away. Cats probably wouldn't have been like, nah, this is our world now. Yeah, exactly. There's that kind of attitude that seems to go along with it. It's not, as I say, I think there are, there are dogs that would be resilient to that. But generally, as a guys, we see them as as being loyal. There's that sort of age old thing of seeing dogs that particular way or seeing cats that particular way, and then sort mm. of. Excessive. I mentioned as well that that scene from Alien, and it, the cat does have a name. I'm not going to just like over, <laughs> but and it's actually quite well known as well as like a whole mythos of this cat of like what happens to it after the from film. Alien. Um, but it's uh, does it turn into a what? Is it just how's it ended up in space? Because it was supposed to. It was like Jonesy. a therapy cat. It was supposed to be for Ridley because she was going through. And it was only an exception yeah. why it was on board and everything. It was a real kind of Joe. It's Jonesy or Jonesy. Jones? Yeah, that's it. Um, the therapy. Yeah. Cat. So uh, and obviously it looks on in the scene where the xenomorph eats this guy on on the ship. One of the uh, one of the crew. Mm. The cat looks on with sort of indifference. It kind of is sort of looking mm. lurking in the shadows and kind of watching like. And I guess there's. Sorry, go on. Yeah, as you can say, I guess there's a kind of as an assumption that if it was a dog, that even if it was a futile gesture, the dog would probably come and and try and save the person if they need it. Exactly. Yeah, this is the you thing know. we wouldn't see in the same way a dog would just sort of look on with sort of cold, unless there was some reason for the dog to do that. Like either the person was mistreating the dog earlier, and then all of a sudden this yeah. is a sort of revenge, and you're getting sort of killed off, you know, because you were. But definitely, like I used to, me, we, me and one of my friends like ages ago, and he had a dog, and we used to like play fight, and his dog would get really, really, um, like worried because it liked both of us, and it didn't quite understand why we were fighting, even though we weren't really fighting, um, and it would come and try and like get in in the way and kind of push us away so we weren't weren't wrestling or anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, whereas like yeah, a cat would just be like, oh, do what you want to do, you know. <laughs> so not got anything to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly they'd, they'd look on with cold cerebral indifference yeah and there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of stuff about like the gaze of animals but specifically like the kind of gazes of cats and kind of there's yeah there's definitely something yeah exactly that's the kind of yeah the gaze of the cat well, the, yeah I, 
I don't know, um, like, we, we kind of both mentioned that last time about specifically the look of the cat, which is a really interesting point, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because cat's eyes, they don't blink. You cannot wear a, uh, you cannot uh, win a staring competition with a cat because they, they don't have to blink. Wow. Yeah, I think I've heard that before. Because that's why they they call the you know cat's eyes on roads are called cat's eyes, aren't they? Because obviously they, they glow in the dark. But then I guess yeah, they're never going to. And blink the it. what is that called? I did have that down in my notes for what the cat's eyes actually called because I found that absolutely fascinating. It is called. Like, is in is in the cat size on the right? No, the cat size, like in general, why that they they're trans like the. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it because they, they got like the, yeah. It's called the tatum yeah. uh, lucidum, and it's the iridescent layer. Like mm-hmm. it's a mirror into like the cat's soul, so it like refracts light. So they use that to kind of. Oh my god! I yeah, that's really. I don't weird. know what the utility of that was. I think it was just so that they could sort of. I think it's easier to see in the dark or something like that. Because it's obviously bouncing around yeah, light. Yeah, because they can't... Yeah, because I don't think they can... Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, so, yeah, there's definitely... Because, I mean, that's... I guess, and I guess that probably leads into kind of why they're so... Their kind of gaze is quite... Because, you know, in a way, that's kind of never-ending. If they don't have to blink, it's it can be constant, can't it? And I think there's something quite... Especially because we have to blink. I think there's probably something quite unsettling about that about kind of like something can just be like you know watching you from the corner of the room quietly and you might not know it's there but it doesn't have to blink and it's kind of indifferent and it is quite a dominant action they do that when when a cat looks at you it does persist it's either saying this is my territory this is my turf and it's assertive like if you Mm. i think most of the times i've ever looked at cats they they don't shy away they don't look you know away or you know try to no, no, they'll look you, they'll look at you back, which is really interesting because in um in quite a lot of fiction, like for example in the Jungle Books, one of the kind of main things of Mowgli is that he can like he can look at all the animals because he's a man or a human, um and the animals can't look at him back, even Shere Khan, um but but actually but cats can, um it's a bit of a kind of obviously he's kind of taking a little bit of um um artistic license there, but like yeah, cats will look back at you and be like, what are you looking at, um. Yeah, which was very, this is very odd. Like I think one of my last interactions um, with a cat was when I was shooing one out of my garden because um, I was really just going to go to the toilet, and it just came for me. It kind of was like, it kind of was started to run away, and then as I was kind of like clapping at it to kind of like you know shoo shoo, um, it just yeah just turned around and was like, like it came for me. Um, like when you say it came for you, it didn't it didn't attack me, but it was kind of like. It was it was square it, it it was it was moving away and then it kind of looked back turned round moved towards me and kind of you know kind of got ready to kind of like have an altercation and I was like I don't I obviously don't want to fight you like I'm not I'm not going to fight a cat as you know I like animals <laughs> I just don't want you to go to the toilet in my garden thank you very much those are the places you can go. Um, <laughs> But I was like, "Whoa, that's weird." Because usually, you know, if you shoe a cat, it'll just, you know, it'll go off. Well, they can be. They, they um, are quite territorial. I know in in our area yeah, here, but it's my garden. Yeah, I know they don't see it that way. <laughs> it's my territory. <laughs> like the the thing with cats around here is they they're kind of like gangs. Like you'll see them underneath cars, and mm. they'll kind of be like interloping. And in, we have one in our back garden that keeps like it's like sitting on the post, like sort of claiming it's it's our like it's. It, well, it's the cats. Like it'll sit there and just be like, it's mine. "Yeah, you know." 
I have the higher ground. They're definitely... <laughs> yeah, they're definitely planning something. Oh, yeah, like, certainly. Something going certainly. D- yeah. Did you ever know that the <laughs> cat's... So the cat's gaze as well, and the eyes, are referred to as the Satan's anus. Satan's anus. No, I didn't know that. That's pretty horrific. But I guess that probably kind of links back to the fact that they thought that they were like witches familiars. And in in those kind of times, um, it was all, they thought, you know, witches communed with the devil and demons and Satan. And like cats were, yeah, were devils that had been witches familiars that had kind of transformed themselves into into the the guise of a cat. Yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously that and that sort of links well, well into it. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. A lot of, a lot of cat stuff. I think that's probably. I don't know. Do you feel like that's kind of well, we've come, come full circle. We've covered a lot, and I think we've, we've expounded a... a lot on what we've, we've kind of found. And funny, funny that you mentioned the slug thing. The cat actually there is. Um, so what I'm showing Sam is this. Oh, that is a giant slug. So if you look at the, this kind of depiction, that's that's a giant slug. But then he sees it as the cat, so he mistakes the first as this giant slug, but then obviously gets terrified, hey. and then sees. But it's actually a cat. Oh, I forgot that. I forgot that. Um, yeah, it goes either way, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. Pretty, <laughs> yeah. Like the cat turning into a slug, but no, it's just like, yeah. So it's like he sees a thing that looks like a slug, but it's actually the cat kind of lying out um, with its ears that kind of look like the, the slug's eyes. Which I found kind of interesting because yeah. you mentioned about the H.P. Lovecraft uh, thing earlier with. This cat kind of slug creatures. I think yeah, I think it's kind of like weird sort of slug things that are kind of yeah. Was well, a battle between this cats and cats. slugs? I don't know why there's association there. But yeah, I think we've got everything at the moment. As I say, like uh, yeah, we can always we can always revisit this topic if we need to, or you know, come back and do it. Yeah, it can do cats you know? too. Or if we, as I say, the thing is, we can we can always uh, make a return or yeah, revise it or yeah, cool. The station signing off.